A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with me today. Uh, after the Mondayest of Mondays, where my computer just decided to die on me as I was uh, uploading Monday's Cam and Company show, and then I had like... I don't know, eight hours of uh, trying to figure out what was going on and eventually getting a, a new machine. So I'm not entirely back to where I was. I'm actually using a new software program. I'm not really familiar with it. So uh, all of those high-tech graphics that you're used to on the program, yeah, we don't have those today. Sorry about that. Uh, I will try to figure out this new software program or hopefully get my uh, old data back onto my new machine this evening. But uh, in the meantime... I didn't want to go another day without us talking about stuff. So uh, here I am, and here we are, and let's get right to it. We're going to talk about the court system today. Uh, obviously, the Supreme Court, uh, a, a leak of this draft opinion, appears to be genuine, uh, from Sam Alito in the Dobbs case, overturning Roe versus Wade. That's huge, and we've written a piece about it at uh, Bearing Arms, what this might mean for the Bruin case, uh, and there are a couple of things, you know, that obviously come to mind. First of all, if Sam Alito is, in fact, the justice that is writing the opinion in Dobbs, that means that he's not going to be, chances are, he's not going to be the justice that writes the opinion in Bruin either. Uh, so that would leave, presuming we get a good decision, right, uh, you've got a couple of options, uh, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, Clarence Thomas, Amy Coney Barrett, potentially Chief Justice John Roberts. Uh, although, given the leaks that have come out about Roberts trying to uh, moderate the uh, Dobbs opinion, I have to say personally, I hope that Chief Justice Roberts is not the author of the opinion in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Uh, I would personally like to see uh, Clarence Thomas write that opinion, and I think it would be a very strong opinion. I do think that the likelihood of a very strong opinion in the Bruin case has increased if, in fact, this... Uh, a draft of the Dobbs opinion is anywhere close to what the final decision actually looks like. Uh, that is not a Supreme Court that is pussyfooting around an issue here, right? So, you know, there's, again, this is all mindless speculation. There's the school of thought that, okay, well, if they go with a really strong opinion in Dobbs overturning Roe versus Wade, then maybe they're going to, you know, you don't want to have too many of those, you know, real, you know, game changer decisions. So maybe this would mean that the Bruin decision would be moderated a bit. I, I, that, that's not my line of thinking. Uh, my train of thought is, okay, if the Dobbs decision really is uh, so strong that it is going to directly overturn Roe versus Wade, um, I don't know that the justices would gain anything by trying to, uh, you know, moderate uh, their opinion in the Bruin case. Uh, the left has already gone to declare war on the Supreme Court. We're going to see a, a, a reinvigorated move to pack the Supreme Court, to nuke the filibuster. That That's coming regardless of what the decision in Bruin is. So you might as well have a strong uh, decision in Bruin. Uh, and again, I would not be surprised to see uh, uh, Clarence Thomas write the majority opinion. I also would not be surprised to see split opinions. In other words, you get a majority, you get a, a dissent, and then you get maybe a couple of concurring opinions. Uh, and that may be where Chief Justice John Roberts lands, saying, uh, you know, I, I recognize the right to bear arms, but... So we'll have to wait and see uh, what goes on. And we might not even have to wait until the first week of June to find out what's in the Bruin decision, given the uh, leak that has come out in the Dobbs case. 
uh, which really is extraordinary. The, the Supreme Court has, you know, widely been called the uh, last leak-proof institution uh, in the District of Columbia. And clearly, that is no longer the case. So who knows? Maybe we will get a sneak peek at what is in store for New York's carry laws ahead of the official release of that decision, which is likely to come down uh, in early June. In the meantime, though, uh, a federal judge issued a decision on Monday that uh, does have bearing on uh, felons in possession of firearms. This was a case involving a strategy undertaken by the uh, uh, Trump administration to refer uh, certain felon in possession cases in Washington, D.C. to federal court. Uh, and this was done, by the way, with the cooperation at the time of local officials in the District of Columbia. But then when progressive activists got wind of this, a lot of these local officials said, oh, no, no, this is horrible. Uh, you know, we are uh, disproportionately targeting uh, high crime neighborhoods. We're disproportionately targeting uh, black males uh, in Washington, D.C., and we need to have some sort of colorblind, uh, uh, justice neutral uh, uh, position here. And what the district ultimately wanted to do is to take these cases, these felon possession cases, and rather than refer them to federal court where the sentences are a lot tougher, they want to keep them there in the local D.C. courts, which can amount to a slap on the wrist for those felons, even violent felons, who are uh, convicted of illegally possessing a firearm. So Judge uh, Emmett Sullivan on Monday disagreed with the district's point of view that um, uh, these cases could not be referred to federal court. Uh, in this opinion, Judge Sullivan said, look, there were some prosecutorial decisions that mm, maybe weren't great. Uh, but, quote, the felon in possession policy does not nullify the D.C. Code felon in possession offense or strip the superior court of its adjudicatory role. Uh, Judge Sullivan sided with the Justice Department, uh, which, by the way, the Biden administration defended the Trump administration's policy. Merrick Garland defended the policy that was in place under the uh, previous attorney general, Bill Barr. Uh, and they argued that prosecutors have broad discretion to make charging decisions uh, and to go after, uh, in particular, people who have a history of committing violent crimes. Uh, and instead of being applied in a categorical manner, meaning every felon that's arrested in possession of a firearm, we're going to charge in federal court. Judge Sullivan said that the policy was living based on prosecutors' evaluation of an individual's particular circumstances. Now, one of the reasons why this is so important is because this is one of the most effective ways uh, to deploy a targeted deterrence strategy. Um, we've talked a lot on this program over the past few years about Operation Ceasefire, which was a program that was developed in Boston, Massachusetts in the late 1990s and was successful in reducing the juvenile homicide rate in that city by more than 50% without putting any new laws on the books, without millions of dollars in new spending, uh, without the need, frankly, for politicians to get involved. And what this strategy does, uh, typically it involves law enforcement at all levels, local police, local prosecutors, federal agencies, including the U.S. Attorney's Office, as well as community partners, uh, you know, the, the community violence intervention groups, uh, local pastors, teachers, and 
the local cops start by identifying who's the most active violent gang right now in our community and who are the, uh, the most active and prolific offenders within that gang, right? Let's start with the worst of the worst. Uh, often, quite often, these are individuals who are well-known to police. They're well-known to the community. They've got criminal records. They're often on probation. And so you call these guys in. Uh, and on the one side, you've got law enforcement. On the other side, you've got the community groups. And these two disparate groups have a common message. You're going to stop shooting. And we will help you if you'll let us, but we will make you if you don't. And so there's a carrot and stick approach. Uh, and the carrot is, listen, if you want to get out of your gang, we're going to help you. We're going to get your GED. We're going to help you get job training. We're going to help you turn your life around. We're going to help you live a more productive life so that you can make it to 25 years old. You can make it to 75 years old. But if you don't do that, if you don't take advantage of the help that we're giving you, then see that gentleman over there or that lady over there? That's the U.S. attorney. And the next time you get busted, we're going to take your case and we're not going to prosecute it in local court. You're not going to get a plea bargain. You're not going to get time served or probation and be sent on your way because we're going to give your case to them and they're going to nail you to the wall because they're not going to offer you a plea bargain. They're going to seek the maximum sentence possible because if you won't change what you're doing, then we have no other choice but to remove you from society for as long as we possibly can. Now, typically what happens when the strategy is deployed is that arrests go down, prosecutions go down, but so does violent crime. And that's the most important thing. But if prosecutors did not have the discretion to accept these cases, and instead uh, it would be left up to the District of Columbia itself and, and only the District of Columbia to try to prosecute these cases, well, it makes it really hard to engage in that type of focused deterrence. Of course, one of the problems in the district is that I don't really think they're interested in focused deterrence anyway. But that's another issue for another time. Uh, Judge Sullivan said in his opinion, quote, it is clear that Congress granted the district the authority to enact local criminal laws subject to Congress's right to repeal and therefore control over local penal policy. But it's also true that Congress has expressly excluded uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office from the checks and balances of the D.C. government. Ultimately, he said nothing in the language, structure, or legislative history of either the uh, Court Reform Act or the Home Rule Act of D.C. suggested the U.S. Attorney should choose to prosecute one offense or another. Uh, but he did say, again, that uh, prosecutors can do this. Um, and I think that's a good decision. I think it was the right decision here. Now, this will likely be appealed. Uh, and it, and and I will say the District of Columbia has a lot of support for its position. The ACLU uh, filed a uh, friend of the court brief uh, along with the uh, D.C. Attorney General's office. There were 90 federal prosecutors, former federal prosecutors, who actually weighed in as well, saying that uh, the district is right and that these felon in possession cases should not be handled by the U.S. Attorney's office or the Attorney General's office, but instead should be left up to the uh, locals there in D.C. to prosecute these cases. Um, I, 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 I have to say, I think Judge Sullivan made the right decision. Whether or not it actually has an impact in D.C. remains to be seen because I think the District of Columbia could still decide uh, to uh, gum up the works. You're still, by and large, dealing with local arrests, 
right? And then federal prosecution. So the next step, if the district really wants to fight this decision, uh, and it'd be a tough political decision for Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., to make, but the, the uh, you know, next response might be, okay, well, listen, we're not going to prioritize uh, arresting felons in possession of firearms because we don't want these cases sent to federal court. Now, again, that would be uh, just an a- absolutely dis- absurd decision. But this is the D.C. government we're talking about, and uh, stranger things have indeed happened. So we'll keep our eyes on this case. Uh, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Actually, you know what? I don't have a good deed of the day. My, my good deed of the day was the uh, nice person at Walmart at 11.15 last night who helped me find the correct uh, accessory for my new laptop that didn't come with my new laptop. Uh, but let's get to uh, let's get to the recidivist report. How about from uh, Everett Washington today, where a judge has said bail at $5 million for a man accused of murder. The uh, 40-year-old suspect uh, charged with first-degree murder, first-degree robbery, first-degree assault, drug possession with intent to deliver. Uh, this was back on April 26th when the uh, shooting took place. Fire responders uh, or first responders uh, uh, got the call about a shooting at a uh, 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 home there in the Valley View neighborhood of Everett. When they got there, they arrived to find a man with a gunshot wound to the head. Uh, he ended up passing away five years later, five days later, excuse me. Uh, a witness reported that the suspect was with two friends. They were dropping off a, a couple's child at an apartment in that complex that afternoon. Suspect barged into a bedroom uh, and uh, demanded money, demanded drugs, pointed a gun at the parents of the child, and then he shot the father in the head according to police. There was a surveillance camera that was actually set up in the couple's bedroom that caught the shooting on video. Man allegedly then stole something from the apartment, fled on foot. Uh, Two people followed in a white car, and when the driver caught up to the suspect, she uh, reportedly stopped. The suspect then got in the back seat and demanded the uh, people who were following him get out of the car. So he ended up carjacking them as well. Uh, Police arrested uh, the suspect last Friday. Uh, according to the Herald Net newspaper, the suspect was convicted of a series of burglaries, series of burglaries in 2017. Court records show he, quote, served time in prison, not much, clearly, and was on a lengthy probation. And at the time of his arrest, he actually had an outstanding warrant for violating that probation. Mm-hmm. Maybe that uh, time in prison should have been a little bit longer and he wouldn't be facing first degree murder charges right now. Uh, today's Armed Citizen story, an update for you out of San Antonio, where I think we told you about this case. Uh, was this f- last Thursday's Armed Citizen story? I know we wrote about it at Bearing Arms, uh, but it was a attempted burglary uh, on the uh, southeast side of San Antonio. And the medical examiner's office has now identified the would-be burglar who was shot by a resident inside as a 42-year-old Roman Rodriguez. Uh, he was shot and killed by that homeowner after the homeowner discovered him breaking into her home. Um, homeowner not facing any charges. She was acting in self-defense. This was a guy who was breaking into her, her house. We had no right to do so, no right to be there. Uh, but uh, now we know the name of that uh, suspect. Don't know if uh, Roman Rodriguez had any previous criminal history, any uh, previous burglary uh, convictions, or if he knew the victim in this case, but uh, we do again know that the victim is not going to be facing any charges. All right, listen, I do apologize again for the sort of uh, abbreviated and very primitive version of today's program. I'm going to be spending my evening tonight uh, going through all kinds of manuals and figuring things out. And hopefully tomorrow, 
we are back somewhat close to normal. But uh, in the meantime, I do appreciate your patience. Thank you again for being a part of the program. I would encourage you to check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the day, where we have even more of the news that you need to know about when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. And in return, as our way of saying thanks for your support, we're going to give you exclusive content, analysis, news stories, stuff you won't find anywhere else, because your support does matter. And it does make a difference. All right, I'll see you back here tomorrow, hopefully with, like, spiffy graphics and everything. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.